Hello, humans! It's time to party! It's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show number 130, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes. And with me, as always, is Josh. Howdy, howdy. You know, just to make sure everyone's aware, I'm not superstitious. I'm just regular stitious. Uh, <laughs> then what's understitious? Is that you'd have to ask Tim Drake? Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's the kind of humor you find on this show. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that wasn't one yeah. of my greater ones. Yeah, so if <laughs> just so you know, if you ever want to complain about humor like that, especially that joke. Feel free to get in touch with us and send us an email complaining about it to comics at notarobotpodcast.com. And you can tweet at us saying that joke was horrible at notarobotcomics. And you, you can't really, you can, I guess you can send an IM on Instagram. Wow, I just dated myself. A DM yeah, on Instagram yeah. <laughs> at, at NAR yeah. Comic Books. And if you feel like supporting us, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR Podcasts where you get access to our Discord server, where you can chat with us and other fans about all things geek. Uh, what the hell were we talking about this week? We were talking about a lot of stuff. <laughs> we definitely were. I, I as far as writing me and as far as writing in and telling me that that joke was horrible, I mean, you don't have to do it today. No. You could do it tomorrow, but I, my, personal, my personal motto is never put off till tomorrow what you can put off to the day after that. There you go. Well, fuck you, say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one was really not. Uh, As they say, procrastinators unite. Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> so I called out at the beginning of the show, it's a bit of a party, and I've been waiting for this number for a long time time i was really hoping brandon would be with us today because this marks 100 episodes since brandon and i joined the show holy cow it's been 100 episodes already yeah oh. freaking flies eh <laughs> oh yeah that's awesome man well uh happy anniversary i know thank you Right? <coughs> Your one hundredth episode. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Your one hundredth episode ties in with Nightwing's one hundredth issue. Fancy that, eh? Hey, hey, I can't believe Brandon missed this opportunity. The, the stars Good. align. Yep. That's, that's if anybody good. has any, could somebody lend Brandon a few extra hours out of their day? The kid could need some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We call him the Flash, but even the Flash can only go so fast. Yeah, that's why I call him Which, Barry Allen, because no matter how fast he is, he always late. Yeah, and we will find out just how fast or slow the Flash can be later on today when we look at our books, which include GCPD The Blue Wall number 4, Monkey Prince number 10, Stargirl The Lost Children number 3, Batgirls number 14, The New Champion of Shazam number 4, Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton, World, uh, Batman Superman World's Finest number 11, 
The Flash, number 791, and as already stated, Nightwing, number 100, as well as some honorable mentions. But as always, before we get into that, we'll get into some news. What's going on with you, Josh? Anything exciting? Oh, no. I wish I could say yes, but it has just been absolutely boring over here. Yeah. Really. I uh, the the highlight of my news is that I was a- able finally able to get the uh my uh the brace for my f- for my foot. Um I've got what they call drop foot. I can't I can't lift it back up since I started having seizures that went away. And I finally got a brace so um I'm not tripping over the 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 floor anymore. Now there actually has to be something there. <laughs> that that is that was the highlight of my week this week. Which that's an uh, that's a big highlight. That's an exciting thing. Oh, it is cuz I've yeah. uh, I've fallen in the last in the last almost 3 years now. I've fallen about 100 times. So oh, my body will appreciate it. And that's I'll be good. able to I'll be able to stop looking down at my body and going, "How the hell did that bruise get there?" Because I forget that I fell. <laughs> oh yeah. I sometimes these things even just happen. Like I, I, I get bruises from oh, my yeah, job sometimes. all the time and cuts, and I get home like, the hell cut me? I didn't even feel this. But yeah, it kind of just happens. I mean, little little nicks, like a paper cut size, not like my arm sliced open. If that's yeah. what you're thinking. No, not not yeah. sliced open, but I've I've been. I've been I've been cut I've been bruised fell down the stairs a couple of times so that's what lended me to uh, moving downstairs but uh, yeah yeah falling sucks glad I'm gonna do it less now that's good congrats <laughs> yeah how about you anything anything newsworthy going on in Robville uh not particularly just continuing Rob my... Dario. <laughs> Oh, what was the old Ontario slogan? Shoot. (laughs) I can't remember. Um, Yeah, I've just been continuing my read-through of everything Green Lantern from the Silver Age onwards. A little slow. I'm finally at issue 13, where he teams up with the Flash for the first time. Sweet. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. The last issue I read, issue 12, I sent you a screenshot of it. Uh, Hal Jordan... His ring is about to die, and he's surrounded by goons, three goons that are about to shoot him. He's got five seconds till his power ring runs out of power, and he says, this may be my zero hour. And as I stated, hate to tell you, Hal, it's not your only zero hour. There is another. another. There's so much. Like, if, if people in the 60s could see the future... It, the Silver Age is just chock full of foreshadowing. <laughs> just accidental foreshadowing. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Man. This makes me oh, want yeah. to go through other Silver Age books, but that's a, a big, big um, commitment that I just don't have time for. <laughs> so... I hear you there, man. Yeah, the Flash looks fun, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Yeah, apart from that, a couple things in the comics world. A bit of sad news. Uh, There is a comic shop in Garno Edmondson, Wizards Comics, 
recently uh, was broken into and $40,000 worth of comic books, Magic the Gathering, and Pokemon cards were stolen, including stock that's not even theirs because they participate in a program where people can come into the shop with their own stuff, put it behind the glass case, and sell it, and then the shop gets a cut of the profits. So it, they kind of split it. Uh, but even that stuff got stolen. So who friggin' knows uh, what's going to happen. Uh, Josh, can we pause for a sec? Uh, I see that is, I'm assuming that's, I think I know what that's about, and we can just <laughs> go ahead and keep on going here. Uh, let me hand him that. Right on. Sorry, I, I didn't know how to... I wasn't sure if that was in my, my our personal chat or in the group chat. Uh, if you if you were able to timestamp that. <laughs> yeah, I, it was okay. in the 514. It was in the group chat. Okay. Anyway, Brandon may be showing up here in a minute. But back to the news you were talking about. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so that has happened. I just lost the friggin' article. Um, yeah, so that's a shame that... And it's a damn shame, really, that, that shit like that's happening. And in, in the article I read, uh, where Wizards Comics was broken into, it comes a week after uh, another LCS in Brantford, Ontario, which is maybe an hour away from me. Uh, Capt Can Comics was broken into, and they had over $80,000 worth of merchandise stolen. So Fucking it's insane and it, so It is sorry, insane. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, and even, I think I mentioned last time I talked about this, years ago, the LCS down the street from my house was broken into and stuff was stolen, but the robbers had no clue what they were taking, because just like dollar binge stuff was taken, and that was it. It's it's insane. It is insane, and like yeah. I mentioned in our Discord, man, it's just it's heartbreaking, because at the at the end of the line, no one opens up a comic shop with hopes of getting rich they do it because it's something that they love and you know i mean i there there are some that have no problems meeting you know keeping themselves in the black as far as money goes but a lot of comic shops are are just barely scraping by to have the balls to go and steal somebody's entire livelihood like that makes me want to remove them for you yeah a damn shame uh and before we get into my next article hello brandon hello hello howdy howdy welcome uh uh sorry we we went ahead uh without you for a few minutes i did want to mention to you in case you didn't know this episode marks 100 episodes since we joined the show eh oh wow that's yeah that's it's, it has been a while hasn't it yeah as I say, time friggin' flies, so it's it's a bit of a party day today. I, I, I would I would say. Um, but before we your get one, to that, your one hundredth <laughs> your one hundredth episode coincides with Nightwing's one hundredth issue, Brandon. It's, I uh, say that is fate. quite serendipitous. Exactly. Yes, it is yeah. fate. It is fate indeed. Uh, yeah. No, I, I apologize. I had to uh, to run downtown downtown relative to, to where I am. 
Um, I, had to, I had to pick up some, uh, well, I, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but I'll, I'll say it off the air. It does pertain to comics, but I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Oh. No problem okay. there. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, so the the next article I had, uh, which I read the, today, but apparently the news broke yesterday and I didn't hear about it. Uh, so Comixology, we all know Comixology, how Amazon acquired it recently in the past yeah. year or two. Uh, well, Amazon's been going, going through some layoffs and Comixology has layoffs in, in the estimates percentile of anywhere between 50 to 100 percent of the staff have been laid off are you shitting me yeah oh my god so they they buy this company shit on it and then lay off most of the staff (laughs) if not all the staff it's ridiculous yeah comiXology used to be such a good platform too it's a damn shame it really is yeah, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, so that's well, there. That goes. Uh, I, that's the two. That's the two bits of news I have. Sorry that it's so somber. <laughs> we have comic book shops getting broken into, and comicsology is going down the drain even more. Happy anniversary. <laughs> uh, but what's going on in your neck of the woods, though, Brandon? You got any uh, exciting things going on? Any news? Um, nothing too exciting, really. It's uh, been a little um busy on my end but uh you know just the, the normal school work life stuff which is nice i uh i got um i think i posted on the discord a little while back i as a, as a christmas gift i got the uh invisibles omnibus um oh yeah the, the grant morrison series the invisibles and i've had that for a little while i haven't really gotten a chance to crack it open but that's uh that's kind of been my my next big achievement whenever i get the, the motivation to do that but uh, aside from that nothing too major I would definitely, I would be looking forward to cracking that open, but I would be, uh, what's the right word? Scared. It, it, it daunting. <laughs> it's it's a daunting task to take yeah. that down, Brandon. It's so big book. <laughs> I wish, yeah, I wish you all the luck, and I'm sending as much strength and willpower to you as possible. Yeah. Well, the um, <laughs> I mean, I've read the first twelve uh, issues because I, I, I had I had the first volume because the vertigo put out like four complete volumes a little while ago and i got the first one a while back and it was good but i kind of i didn't really have the motivation to finish it but this one was like okay now it's all in one big book so now i really don't have an excuse to to stop so i kind of i've started a little bit um but i might just you know reread those first 12 issues again just to kind of give myself a reminder um but uh but yeah no it is a daunting one and they have like a they have a, a book, someone, I forget if it was Tim Callahan or someone else, but it was like the Invisible's Guide to Anarchy, which is basically like how to explain the entire book. Um, and I'll probably end up buying that as well, just so I can understand a lot of the references. Oh, yeah, because you can't read it first or else you'll get nothing but spoilers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That, it's like one of those Bibles that have all the the the, the coinciding <laughs> verses and explanations that are over. Yeah, the essentially, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, pretty much the the Invisibles for Dummies book, um, which well, again will probably be needed at certain points, I'm sure. But uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got. That uh, the size of that book reminds me years ago at Fan Expo, my dad 
bought the Marvel Zomnibus. Oh, the, yeah. The Marvel Zombies Zomnibus. Oh, my it's God. It's massive. It broke yeah. the handle on his messenger bag that he was carrying. Yeah. No, I, I believe it. It's And I, I can't uh, believe he was lugging that thing around a convention. I would have uh, broke my I damn think back. He, he bought it near the end of the day. So. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Yeah. I remember I, at, at New York yeah. Comic Con, uh, most recently, I had had like all these books that I was bringing to get signed. And after a certain point, I literally had to go to the, um, they have like the, I guess like a, a bag check area where you can drop off your stuff. And I told my friend, I was like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Like I got to put this down cause it's killing me. Cause I had yeah. like every single hardcover I wanted to get signed and my back oh, was wow. in serious pain. So yeah, that's so why I was like, Oh my God, I can't imagine walking yeah. around the show floor with that big, uh, you know, omnibus. I've I've I feel that pain too that you're describing because in my Dollarama trips I've come home with yeah, maybe yeah. seven hardcovers in my backpack and my back yeah. is killing by the time I, I know. get home. It, that's right. the thing. It's like you you forget like you buy all these books and you're like oh man this is so great and then you put them in your bag and it's like an hour later and you're like oh god no why this didn't was I such bring a, a wheelbarrow I know this was <laughs> such a mistake it was such a mistake yeah, yeah. I, I've had several book uses. runs that are like that. Yeah. Like, no, if, why did I do if this? You ever need to. You just stop at a park bench, take a break, and read for an hour, and you will be true. bored. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've, yeah, I've done that on occasion where I'm just like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta sit down, I gotta sit down. This is too yeah. much. Yeah, it's fun, but yeah, painful. It's yeah, it is a labor of love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that, I say we get into our honorable mentions, and that is honorable with a U. Damn it! I'm the host. I can say that. <laughs> All right. So the honorable mentions, uh, which I am honored, without the you to uh, to <laughs> mention. No. Uh, Titans United Blood Pact, uh, Black Adam Seven. They were Blood Pact is is. Less than appetizing to me. Black Adam 7 is a good book if you're into it. I could easily see how people aren't. Fables rocks. I don't know how anybody couldn't like that one. Batman Fortress number 8. This issue was actually okay. It was pretty good. And I've been pooping on it lately. And Batman One Bad Day Bane. That is the one that I did not get a chance to get to this week. Um... But if it's super duper bad or super duper good, I'll come back and let y'all know. Is that the last of the one bad day one shots? That I could not tell you. I feel like it is. I'll look into that. I think it is. Okay. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So that is our honorable mention section for this week. There's a lot of books this week. <laughs> a lot it really of really was. Books. Yeah. Uh, and we are going to do our best to get through them as quick as we can, starting with our quick bites section for the day. And first on the list is GCPD, the blue wall number four. And Mr. Brandon is going to tell us about that one. Sure. Yeah, this is uh, GCPD, the blue wall written by John Ridley with art from Stefano Raphael, uh, colors from Brad Anderson and... A really nice cover from Reiko Murakami. Uh, this, I guess, really just kind of continues the uh, story involving our three officers, Officer Ortega, Officer Park, and 
I, I forget the guy's last name, but um, Officer, well, he's, his first name is Eric, I remember that, but I don't remember, but he was the one who was basically trying to help the, uh, the guy who was out on parole, but uh, who ended up killing himself, oh. or self-sacrifice, yeah. uh, to say the least, um, but I, I forget his last name. In any case, we sort of continue our adventures with uh, them, uh, in as much as you can call them adventures. Uh, they're more like nightmares um, as Eric is resigning from the force. Officer Ortega is still trying to fit in with his department. He's getting a little bit more acceptance um, in the Tri-Corner area, uh, though as we later discover in this issue, that is all a lie. And Officer Park is continuing her desk writing duties and discovering more about the nature of the GCPD uh, as well. But in reality, the big twist at the end of this issue involves Officer Ortega, who after really um, learning about the monsters that are uh, serving alongside him on the tri-corner, decides to take, I guess, the, the GCPD into account for everything that he has gone through and is now going into a more antagonary role. Antagonistic role? It's probably the right word for it. Um, yeah, yeah okay. but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, continues to be a, a really excellent series. Um, I, I don't remember if I was uh, all caught up on this, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm caught up now, at least. Um, and uh, it's it's been a really great ride so far, just getting down and dirty into the uh, nastier parts of the GCPD, which, you know, obviously to anyone who's familiar with Batman knows the GCPD is rather infamous. Um, but it's it's nice to get that sort of grounded approach, uh, not through a, a superhero lens. Uh, and everyone's comparing the series to Gotham Central, and it definitely is, but I think uh, approaching this from, you know, the beat cop level is uh, is what's giving it a bit of a, dis a different angle, which I think is really nice. So, really strong series so far, and uh, I'm excited to see how it all wraps up. So I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Oh, yeah, I think, I think what makes this one work so well is how normal people it is. There, you don't get any you don't get any sense of anything being exaggerated or or uh, blown out of proportion just to make it more appealing. This is just real life shit put in, put into a comic book. And um, yeah. I'm just I'm just sitting here reading this deeply personal story from Officer Ortega, the rest of the cast in the book too, but mostly him. And then to to see him flip like that and go against the things that he believed in, I mean, holy kablow, Batman! It caught yeah. me way off guard, and I I can't wait to get more more. It's oh yeah, um, the art is great. I I almost forgot to mention that. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was such a such a fantastic issue. I gave this a nine point two five out of ten. Never saw this coming. I can second that. I did not see that coming at all. It's such a messed up final page. <laughs> it's, it's it's insane. But you're right. It's it's so rooted in real life. Uh, it it really it's almost depressing. It's crazy. Uh, fantastic issue. Fantastic series. Eight point seven five out of ten for this one. Art is also fantastic. Indeed. So that will now take us on over to something a little more out there, uh, not out there into space, but out there in terms of superheroics. It's Monkey Prince number 10, and Josh is going to tell us what's going on with Marcus today. 
Indeed, I will. It is written by Jean Luen Yang. Art is Bernard Changs. Colors is uh, Marcelo Mialos. And Wes Abbott did the letters with Chang and Mialo on the cover together. We are outside of Metropolis. Superman, or Superman, sorry. Uh, Supergirl thinks Monkey Prince is with Ultra Humanite, who happens to have a kryptonite weapon. Until he jumps in front of the kryptonite missile to save her, getting his bottom half blown off in the process, which he promptly puts on backwards. Uh, before they take out Ultra Humanite's gun, and and then it starts raining green, and the gun gets fixed bef uh, by the rain before they knock out Ultra Humanite. Supergirl, that is. Supergirl hears cries for help from all over the city. She takes off while Monkey Prince is supposed to stay with Ultra Humanite. Apparently that doesn't happen because Monkey Prince goes hoping to find out grandpa, his grandpa Gerard is Ultra Humanite. Um, while Supergirl sees the people of Metropolis turned into monsters. Her powers are going on and off. Monkey Prince shows up to help. Ultra Humanite's plan is to wake up the ancient monkey god to have him be a slave to Ultra Humanite. Supergirl calls in backup, though, and what she gets is Cyborg, Blue Beetle, Shazam, as in Mary, Mary Marvel, Blue Devil, Zatanna, and Power Girl. Now that is some backup. Mm -hmm. uh, the art is always great in this book, always, and this was a great setup for whatever it is that they have planned for these peeps next. Um... Like the book says, it is uh, leading into the Lazarus Planet event. And uh, seeing these characters together and the lead-in for it makes me very... Makes me a lot more excited than I was to get into Lazarus Planet. So um, I gave this one as, as silly as the moments were in some of them, uh, which is kind of the charm of this book. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I dug it a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. The silliness is the charm, and it's honestly what makes it such a sleeper hit for me. I love this book, uh, and this is, I think, definitely an issue to check out for Lazarus Planet readers out there. If you're into that event, definitely check out this issue, even if you're not reading Monkey Prince as it is. Uh, you know at this point Monkey Prince is a big player in the event, so at least check out this issue. It's well worth your time, 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, this, uh, this sounds like a good one. I mean, I haven't really been following Monkey Prince, and I, I didn't get to a chance to read this one just because I'm, I'm behind on pretty much everything with Lazarus Planets. I haven't really gotten a chance to read any of that, but uh, your endorsements are, uh, are are giving me a reason to check it out, so um, I, will, I will try and catch up on that when I get a chance. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. Yeah. I, I feel like Monkey Prince is it's either for you or it's not. And, um, like the first couple issues I was first issue. I liked second, third, fourth issue. I was a little iffy on, but then it picked right back up for me, man. Uh, but yeah, I, th I definitely think it's one of those books where you're, you're either going to enjoy it or you're gonna, you're gonna wonder what the fuck it is. You just read kind of thing. Yeah. I I've been enjoying the whole thing anyway. But it's it's probably a book that's for me, <laughs> like you mentioned. Yeah, I can appreciate the silly if it's in a silly book. Exactly, like the Jurassic League. <laughs> uh, <fantastic. laughs> the Jurassic League's 
jokes were as bad as the first one I told on this podcast. <laughs> Which makes All it great. Right. All right. So <laughs> this is from one teenage hero going on to another. Uh, not just another. Many others. It's Stargirl, The Lost Children, number three. And this is written by Don't Jeff Don't you Trump. mean Stargirl, The Loaf Children? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to pick up on my typo. Yeah. And the, well, I, it was more the I, fact that you didn't correct it. Yeah, yeah. The, more the fact you didn't correct it, which I thought was very funny. And I, I was like, is he is he pulling a little prank or a little joke? <laughs> I couldn't tell. The loaf children. I, I These kids are so it. lazy. Yeah. <laughs> They've been just chilling on this island for eighty years. See, I, I was imagining it. They were like bread people, and these were just their bread children. But yes, you know, yeah. we all have our, our with, own with imagination. A little bit of ketchup on top. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, I like ketchup, but not on bread. The hell? No, not on not on meatloaf. Oh. Which is what I was thinking. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I I I typed it out. I sent it to the chat, and then maybe like half a day later i realized my mistake and i was oh it's been like six hours i'm not even gonna bother changing it <laughs> they've nope. already seen my my error <laughs> it was it all me a little giggle <laughs> yeah either that or my thumbs just hit the wrong keys i don't know <laughs> uh yeah it's even written on my notes the loaf children because i just copy and pasted i didn't even change it here uh so yeah star girl <laughs> the loaf children Lazy number three bastards is <laughs> is written by jeff johns with art from Todd Nock, colors from Matt Herms, and letters from Rob Lee. So, Stargirl, now stuck on this mysterious island, is found by some of the missing children she is looking for, who then take her to the rest of the missing children she is still looking for, and then some. Some that she did not expect to see at all. Meanwhile, Red Arrow is locked up in a castle of sorts by the creepy character the Childminder, who warns of a hidden master. Emiko's cell neighbor has a plan to get them out as long as she can get off this treadmill she is stuck running on, as she is none other than Judy Garrick, Jay Garrick's daughter. So this issue was definitely, at least for me, it felt like a slow issue, but there were a lot of new characters to cover, so I'll I'll give it a pass on, on the pacing. Uh, there was so many people. <laughs> uh, I was a surprise mm -hmm. to Stargirl. There was so many, so many characters to to go into but i'm all for it like i'm i'm doubling down on this uh new golden age scenario i think it's exciting i think uh retroactively inserting these characters into dc history uh is is uh not necessarily fun but can be a very interesting twist um i don't know i'll see where it goes uh, i gave this an 8.5 out of 10 i rather enjoyed it Yeah, no, I'm, I'm think, still really, I'm still really uh, enjoying this story um, and just digging into the uh, the lost sidekicks um, of the golden age. And um, you know, it's it's like I said, or, or I guess like Rob said, it's it's not a uh, the most meaty of issues in terms of uh, major revelations or, or huge plot beats or anything. But it's still a fun ride, and I think I'm I'm just kind of enjoying that. Um, and it's it's I don't know, it's it's just kind of fun and innocent and and tackling uh this generation of heroes that i that i really like so i'm still having a fun time and uh i can't believe we're already halfway through so uh this one got yeah. an 8.25 out of 10 for me yeah 
I mean, we're halfway through this limited series, but if we're being honest, this is this story is going to span a while because Jeff I Johns so. is just rolling it over. But uh, first, <laughs> first, let me say that the Childminder looks like something out of Big Bird's worst nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> What? I don't know. Put it. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell that was, but Jesus, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Um, as far <laughs> as far as the rest of it, though, it's it's definitely a Jeff Johns story, but not in a bad way. It's good Jeff Johns. It's got that old school JSA feel to it, uh, while being blended nicely with some of today. I don't really have a lot of complaints. Just one note uh with this many characters it's important to remember that they don't all need equal screen time just to make them included not everybody needs a dialogue bubble that's how you start on your path towards a bendis legion book and nobody wants that <laughs> um but that wasn't overly done here it's just just a note that i, I worry about for the future um the art fits the story very nicely and the story was pretty dang fun I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 right on alright and that will lead us to another set of teenagers there's a lot of kids in this quick bites section and also the last book of the quick bites section for today it is Batgirls number 14 and Brandon will tell us what's going on with them today Sure. Uh, although there's there's not too much to tell, honestly, as this no. issue has a rather interesting uh, spin to it. This is Batgirls number 14, as Rob said, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, with art, colors, and letters. Uh, very impressive from Jonathan Case um, and letters. Oh, well, I just said that. I don't know why. I was, I was anticipating doing another one. Um, but yeah, no, suffice it to say, there is not a whole lot uh, to, to say about this issue, just given that pretty much most of it is entirely silent um, and uh, can be boiled down to a very simple description, which is Cass, who is now returned to her body, as per the last issue, is on the hunt for Stephanie, who has been kidnapped by her father, Cluemaster, and the entire issue just really sees her making her way across the city and trying to track her down. Uh, the only point at which we really get any kind of um, you know, large amount of dialogue is uh, sort of towards the end, where Cass discovers a letter from Stephanie, basically, you know, confiding in her all the things that uh, she really appreciates about their friendships and how much how much she appreciates having her in her life and um, the sort of stuff that you would expect um, in uh, in their relationship. And uh, rather tragically, Cass makes her way all the way to the stone fence cabins at the other side of Gotham, only to find Stephanie apparently dead. Although, of course, you know anything about our if we know anything of, about our uh, our superheroes, it's that they probably will not be dead for long. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a sucker for silent issues, um, especially ones that can really hammer in a strong emotional beat. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think this one did a pretty great job of it. Um, and also, it's kind of a, a fun throwback to some of the older um, Cass Kane books, which were mostly wordless um her and her original batgirl series i should say um so was, uh, i don't know if it was a reference to that but it kind of made me think of that which is is very cool to see um so really nice emotional story and uh hell of a cliffhanger though again i, I expect steph will be fine in the long run of things um so 
Looking forward to seeing what happens next, but I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. All right, right on. What about you, Rob? What did you think about Batgirls number 14? Uh, sorry, I was actually scrolling back up to my notes because I went too far down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. by the time I realized it was a silent issue, uh, uh, maybe six, seven pages in, I was like, ooh, a silent issue. Yay. <laughs> I love them, too. They're, they're, they can be a lot of fun uh, and very emotional with the right story. And, and this one definitely was. There have been... I think some, I, and I have always always talked about a Batman and Robin number eighteen from the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. might be the best silent issue I've ever read, but this one uh, is is still really 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 good, uh, and I really hope that last page does not mean what we think it means. I know Brandon, as he said, uh, as we all know, uh, comic characters tend to not actually stay dead, but fuck, there's so many this month. <laughs> between iris and uh, and and steph now and who knows what else is going to happen in lazarus planet so i i just hope that uh at least these two survive 8.75 yeah. out of 10 for me my 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 thinking on this is that the only real uh voice that we hear through it is is basically uh, Stephanie's almost almost like a like a slash. Sorry about this. Um, su- su- almost like a suicide note. Like, hey, you know, this is all this shit. I'm really sorry that this happened. I love you. Don't tell Bruce. <laughs> but um, I I feel like with that kind of foreshadowing, we're not looking at a dead Stephanie. I think we're looking at. You know, she's under drugs or she's hooked up or she's, you know, barely clinging to life. I hope that she's not dead because we don't need a reincarnation just after after we had so many not too long ago. But, um, okay, so the story. Uh, what happens in here, I like it. But my bone with this issue is that I, I just don't like the art. And with, with what is pretty close to being a wordless issue, at least, at least mostly, you should have spectacular art behind it. And for me, this just wasn't it. I am really looking forward to next month's issue because I want to see where this goes. But again, the, the, the lack of dialogue in this book to showcase art, that's how it's usually done. And it... It just did not work. It kind of sunk the issue for me, but the emotional beats is is what kept this book alive for me. So it earned a seven out of ten. Fair enough. Just did All not right. like the art. All right, so that is the end of our quick bite segment for today, and with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. I know you did. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Obviously, you're still if here. You, if you can hear me, I know you're here. You and made it. Congratulations. Way. Just stick around. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> I hope I don't sound like really I can weird see when you. I do that. <laughs> nice pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the blue pants. And yeah. the people wearing blue pants, I hope that felt weird. 
All right, so this is now our spotlight section for the day. We're going to shine a bright light over onto a couple of books that are pretty bright on their own. I don't think we really need to shine a spotlight on them because we can see them in the darkness, starting off with the new champion of Shazam number four. And Josh is going to tell us how this ends. Aren't you? And, and it will, the very last issue of this four-issue mini Written by Josie Campbell with art, colors, and cover all from Doc Shaner with lettering by Becca Carey. Uh, Mary wants Foss evacuated and puts Pedro, Freddie, and Eugene on that um, as she tells them that none of this is their fault and she'll bring everyone back and she says that right before she flies out of the window to do just that. Um... And I think you should preface. She she transformed into Shazam before she flew out of the window. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah she didn't. She didn't she, just jump. No, <laughs> um, that's that's important to know. Yeah. Uh, so she uh, she takes off. She's looking for Darla and finds Doctor G, who sets up some gnarly looking crocodiles to go after her. She goes through those just to have to go up against some super-powered teacher's assistants, <laughs> uh, those TAs, they call her Shazam and say some other sexist shit. So uh, she leads them on a small chase before, I want to say, letting them capture her because they don't seem to overpower her. Uh, she says Shazam and they get hit with the juice. Uh, she runs as Mary and finds all of those who were kidnapped, like her family, Darla, and uh, the dean of the college she goes to. Oh, and surprise, <laughs> Dr. G is actually Dr. Georgia Savannah, the doctor, the daughter of Dr. Savannah, longtime Shazam nemesis. She has developed technology she calls Magitech, very creative, by reverse engineering the magic of the rock of eternity and merging it with technology. The circle of endings, she calls it. It drains pieces of magic that resides within everyone, puts it into a battery, and then whoever is wearing that battery gets the magic inside. Surprise, surprise, again, Dr. G is wearing several of them. So Mary shazams and blows up all of the bad stuff, but none of the good stuff, including the people who all return to normal. Dr. G makes one last stand, but gets taken out by Hoppy biting her on the ankle. <laughs> Hoppy the magic ra rabbit. Um, all is well and everything is good until Mary sees a strange huge green light with three, I guess, Billy Shazams that tell her to stay away. So, of course, she Shazams and takes off to Washington. Why Washington? We don't know. We're not told at all, but she knows that's where she needs to go to go save Billy. Uh, Shaner's art is off the chain. I love it just like I usually do. It's hard to find any fault with his stuff. It always looks so great and consistent. And while I wish this wasn't the end of her title, I did really enjoy it. They made it her own adventure while managing to include Shazam fan service like crocodiles for one and uh, magical animals helping out for another. And they did that without without making it feel like they just shoved her into one of Billy's stories. 
which impresses the shit out of me. And they wrapped all of it up that was going on in one issue without feeling like it was crammed. The daughter of Dr. Savannah, I could have lived without, especially with all the pro-female tone that, that, that was in this book. And then they just invent a character so that she's got a girl to fight. That was kind of fucked up. But regardless, I did have fun with the series. And with this issue, I would definitely recommend this for a short read because it's a fun one. It got an 8 out of 10 for me. Brandon, how about you? Um, It was fun. A little bit of a... I don't know. I don't want to say weak ending, but um, maybe lackluster is, is the better word. Um, but, you know, still a fun series overall. But I think it just kind of that abrupt... Uh, like you said, I mean, it did wrap stuff up, but it, it did feel a little abrupt to me. And then sort of the urgent I need to be in Washington ending was a little a little odd for me um, it felt like it really right. should have just ended in its own corner but I know they kind of have to tie into everything that's going on with Lazarus Planet right now um, but you know like you said the art from Shanner is outstanding which is to be expected and it's a fun miniseries I don't know that it um, will really hold that much weight in the future I mean I'm sure you know now that Mary is the champion of Shazam but I guess uh, I guess we'll see but it, it did feel I don't know, maybe a little bit like an unremarkable ending. So I gave this a 7.5 out of 10. You got some valid points there. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of agree with all of the above. Uh, I think Mary is great and should stay in this role. Uh, there's been a great push for her recently across all sorts of titles, Elseworld and otherwise. Don't retcon this, DC. Just keep this status quo for a while, <laughs> okay? Billy may be getting his own book soon, but just from what we've seen about it so far, I don't think it's going to interfere with the fact that Mary is currently Shazam. So don't let it. Just keep her there, please. Uh, Savannah, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Savannah, I think, also was a little uninspired, but I'm also not against it. And for a first big villain as a newish hero not bad you know i think it uh kind of fit the bill uh shaner's art again I, I will say fantastic um and my my issue with the ending was a little kind of i don't want to say lame it was it just felt off uh for me it was mostly billy shows up in the sky to tell mary uh hey don't come here what the hell do you think she's going to do, Billy? She didn't even know you were in trouble. You show up. Hey, hey, don't come find me. I'm fine. What the hell do you want me to do? Stay away. <laughs> come on. So whether, however she figured she needed to go to Washington is beyond me, but that that little bit just kind of threw me for a loop. Of course she's going to come find you, Billy. Shut up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, with everything said, 8.5 out of 10. I think a solid miniseries that is definitely worth your time. And Very speaking well. of Lazarus Planets, we are getting into our Lazarus Planet issue of the week with Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton. One shot number one, 2023 special edition. Uh, before I get into this, I do want to ask you guys 
uh, your opinion on how I should read this, because there are four short stories in this, and I've written summaries for each of them. Should I go through the whole book at once and then we talk about it after, or should we have a brief discussion about each story before I go into the next one? What do you think, Brandon? I'm good with either. Um, it might be helpful to maybe just do all the stories and then talk about them at the end, because right. um, I'm sure we might have more to say about some stories than others. Well, right. I, you guys might. I, like I said, I, I haven't really had the chance to catch up on the Lazarus Planet stuff, but um, I, that that's just my two cents between the two of you guys. But if you want to go story by story, that's also cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with either way. I, I was initially planning to just read it all at once, but then I was kind of second-guessing myself. So I will just go ahead and read it all at once. Excuse me. Decisive action. While I uh, just get ready. Because it's a lot of reading ahead. Alright, so to start off, this cover, uh, gorgeous cover I might add, was from David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez, and that leads into our opening story from Nicole Maines, writing with art from Skylar Patridge, Colors from Nick Filardi and Letters from And World's Morgan Martinez. It is Dreamer. Nianal has a dream that suddenly ends as if nothing happens after it. She dream walks to where Batman and Robin and Supergirl are to find out what's going on. And after they explain about the Lazarus volcano and the magical artifacts, she dream walks to where the Helm of Fate is through the mind of Khalid Nasur and wakes up in a pool of Lazarus resin holding the helm of fate. Follow up, uh, sorry, next story, not follow up. John Kent is written by C.S. Pacat with art from Scott Godlewski, colors from Alex Guimaraes, and letters from And World Design. John stops a petty burglar as the Lazarus rain starts, which electrocutes John, making him pass out, and the burglar is given lava-based powers. When John wakes up, he heads out to help people, and the burglar decides to join him. And by the end, the burglar, now named Ash, hints that his powers are gone, but secretly they are not, and steals John's cape in the process. Uh, next story is about Mercy, Lex Luthor's bodyguard, uh, written by Frank Barbieri, with pencils from Sammy Basri, inks from Sammy Basri, and Vincente Cifuentes, which I love that name, uh, colors from Hi-Fi, and letters from Dave Sharp. Mercy Graves is doing her job protecting Lex from the storm, despite the fact that Lex does not believe it's a problem. Typical conservative. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, she is hit by... <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Tell me how you really feel. It's actually... That's funny. I was thinking about that earlier. I don't know why. I was... Um, I was... I think... I was, I was in preparation for something else. I was, I was going over Action 1050 again, and I just uh-huh. had this wild harebrained idea. I was like... If I ever got the chance to write Superman, like for an extended amount of time, what would my Lex Luthor be like? And I just I pictured like sort of like fiscal conservative, kind of like a like a Donald Trump type, except oh, before yeah. any of that stuff. And I, I just had like a whole long pitch about what that would be. And now I now in some alternate universe where that happens, I really want to see what that would look like. That'd be great. My, my fully, you know, fiscally conservative Lex Luthor. And maybe well, you, you might take, not have to wait very long. You could take that <laughs> yeah, fiscally conservative Lex Luthor and have him start World War Lex. Oh my god. 
Yes. Uh, and you would be the first person I'd call for that. You and uh, you and Josh, the three of us would write that crazy, oh, crazy story. That'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, a, a footnote. I I try to avoid getting into political conversation, but I felt that was just perfect. I had to throw it in there. <laughs> um, it yeah, Lex Luthor just screams conservative, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not here to start a political debate with anybody. Where was I? Right, so Mercy, in her protection, uh, is hit by a lightning bolt through the window and ends up touching a Lexo suit, which gives her body a techno-organic upgrade. Some experimental beasts that are also being affected by the storm uh, break loose within LexCorp Tower, so Mercy heads down to the floor that they are attacking and uses her new abilities to take them out and save the staff. And finally, Power Girl is written by Leah Williams with art from Mar- Marguerite Sauvage, letters from Becca Carey, and that's it. Uh, so there's only three titles. I was expecting four, even though I wrote it down. But Power Girl was helping to take down Silverhorn King during the events of Lazarus Planets Alpha, but is instead teleported away into a dreamlike world which showcases some potential fears she has in her subconscious. After forcing her way through the world, she ends up in front of none other than Omen of the Titans. Omen helps Karen realize she is now telepathic with uh, newfound abilities, and together they fly off to help the world with the current storm. And you can see where they go in Action Comics 1052 going forward. Okay. Uh, So I did not score each story. I just scored the whole book, so I'm not going to score each story personally. Uh, starting with Dreamer, though, interesting setup. I am curious to see how big of a player Dreamer will be for Lazarus Planet, uh, considering it's just a series of one-shots, which is a very interesting way to have an event. Uh, I'm very curious to see how how she will play out, how her story will play out. And I'm, I'm all for just more Dreamer going forward. Like, keep this character coming. I'm all for it. Uh, John Kent looks like she may be the next Dr. Fate (laughs) oh oh damn I didn't even think about that (laughs) that's a good point Uh, with John Kent's story I I like Jay in Son of Kal-El but Ash is just so much more exciting for John I don't know if you guys got that vibe uh, but their connection certainly seemed flirty so yeah that's the direction they're going and i'm all for it yeah i was like Uh, they were fucking flirting jay's great but ash is awesome uh with mercy mercy was very unexpected i am wondering where that will lead uh mercy's kind of a very underutilized character so this this was just surprising and with power girl interesting new power for power girl uh did not expect telepathy and i'm curious now is her name going to live up to a new standard is she going to have many powers and be power girl instead of just power girl you know maybe that's power girl slash super girl clone (laughs) yeah or powers girl yeah Yeah. oh god it doesn't roll off the tongue yeah uh all in all though uh overall I actually had a note for overall. Good art throughout, I felt. Interesting stories, but has that one-shot feel of temporary changes. I'm curious how long this is all going to matter. And not in the confines of the events, but 
Are they going to lose their newfound powers by the end of Lazarus Planet, or is something going to stick around? We know there's a whole host of new characters coming, but to me it just feels like they're not really going to last. Like like the New Age of Heroes, or uh, DC's Young Animal, where these characters kind of just faded away into obscurity, with the exception of one or two. So... That's, yeah. that's just the vibe I'm getting. Uh, for this whole issue, though, I gave an 8.25 out of 10. Fairly enjoyable. Brandon? Well, I, I, I said I, I didn't get a chance to read oh, this one. Oh, oh, that's I haven't right. caught up on the Lazarus Planet stuff. I forgot. Um, all right, so as far as me, I, I mean, I, I was just reading this book, and then I don't know what happened. Um, it seems really ambiguous to me with what happened at the end with Dreamer, the Helm of Fate, and her erupting from the Lazarus Pit. I feel like it was supposed to be a shocker. I feel like it was supposed to be impactful. And instead of going, whoa, I went, uh, which is not the reaction I imagine they were going for. Um, it looks great, but this felt, um, it felt way too long for what it was and for what happened in it felt like it was kind of boring it is good to see dreamer it's uh in a comic it's good to see uh damien and batman back on the same side again but uh it was it was kind of boring though it did again really look good um uh the second story the wonky power stuff from monkey prince carries over does the exact same thing to john as it does to kara but um it also gives them electric powers. Uh, the shoplifter gets superpowers, but not turned into a monster like everybody else in Metropolis. Um, so there's, there is progression. There's set up. There's great art. And I really want to believe that this will go somewhere good. My fingers are crossed. But it's more like a, I guess we'll see situations. Speaking of seeing, I didn't mind looking at the art in this story either i think it was some of godless godlewski's best work in, in in this story here um the third one it looks very very good uh sam bosry whoops ass like usual you can almost expect it and mercy graves gets turned into lazarus cyborg um help me out wasn't she at one point already a cyborg or an android or whatever already like I know that I've seen that. I just can't remember familiar. where. Unless you're getting her, uh, it's in the Young yeah. Justice show. Okay, all right. Okay. All right. I was gonna say I, unless I, you're I getting like, her confused with Lena Luther. No, it wasn't Lena Luther. I knew I knew it was Mercy. I just couldn't remember where. Thank you for reminding me, Brandon. And then um, the the fourth story. It's Marguerite Sauvage art. So if you like that, you're gonna like this. It tends to be right on the line for me, though. Um, I don't hate it, but I'm not really a fan of it either. And Power Girl gets psychic powers and is now besties with Omen. Seems just like something to throw at the wall to see how long it will stick. And, you know, like Rob said, I, I feel like this is this is going to be a show it up and, and, and use it. And then it'll be thrown away again because we just needed a plot device um that one was probably the least impressive of this of the stories uh, story and art wise overall uh, it wasn't bad the art for 
the most part was pretty damn good. The whole thing felt like some kind of multi-part setup issue, which wouldn't be a problem if this was the first issue of Lazarus Planet, but it's not. Um, the, the story's there already. It. This was a lot of, I mean, I guess potentially important stuff to happen, uh, happened, but it was really just thrown in as with, with a very, very light story built around it. And for me, for what this book should be, I'm, I'm just, I'm really not impressed. I'm, I'm rounding it up because of all of the great art that's in it. Um, even with Savage, who I'm not a fan of, but it, she is on point with the style that she has. And that is, that is 100%. Um, but uh, overall, man, I got to give the issue a 7 out of 10. Fair enough. I try to be. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, I think, is what we're here for. All right. So with that, we can shut off the spotlight for tonight. Bruce can go to bed because <laughs> the sun is up. Well, I was going to do a chicken noise, here. but I'm not doing that. Uh, and that will bring us to our full dive <laughs> review section for the week. Starting off with, speaking of Batman, Batman Superman World's Finest number 11. And Josh, I believe you're going to tell us what's going on over there. You the believe correctly. Written by Mark Wade with incomparable art inside and out from Dan Morrow, colors from Timer Bonvillain, who also struts their stuff in this issue, does some amazing color work. And Steve Wands did the letters. Uh, so this is how the issue goes down. We start out a half an hour ago getting to see the key pull all of David's memories from him, including the location of Superman's fortress, which is what he was after. We then switch to now with David in trouble for nearly killing the Joker and, well, he would have if he wasn't stopped by the others as the Titans take care of the Joker, rushing him to the hospital to save his life, because that's a great idea. Batman has a sidebar with Clark and says, okay, time to realize the kid is a walking time bomb. Robin goes with Superman, and uh, they take David away to the Fortress of Solitude. They do so to throw him in a machine designed to take his powers away. Superman wants to help him, but first he has to make sure that he is safe for the public. And he does just that. But, nope, then he changes his mind. He's not going to do it. He blames himself for David having uncontrollable anger, which is some fucked up logic there. Um, makes me wonder if Lois doesn't beat Superman. <laughs> uh, Superman's entire zoo at the Fortress of Solitude has been set loose, and it's because the key is there. And he's not alone. He brought with him quite the weird crew, Bag of Bones, Acid Monster, the uh, Acid Master, the Abominable Snowman, Ferlin Nixley, and Zebra Man. Rob and David are left to face them all while Superman goes to reign in the zoo. Um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have your priorities in order, right? <laughs> the strongest guy goes take care of the pets. Uh, yeah. But hey, anyway... The key himself manages to, to, to trick Superman into flying into the same chamber that took away David's powers, and he does it for Superman. David didn't feel anything uh, when he got placed in the chamber, 
but it seems very painful to Superman, and he's left real messed up on the floor, leaving David as the only one with powers. The key goes after the shuttle that David came in the spaceship, I guess, as David goes after him, but it seems that when the key pulled out those memories, he also planted a hypnotic suggestion that freezes David in place. Superman and John go out after the key, but Zebra Man traps them in a force field. The key is about to blow David to pieces with um, what looks like one of uh, Marvin the Martian's de-atomizers. Um, <laughs> and uh, just as he's about to do so, uh, Batman shows up, kicks the key, applies a pressure point hold on David to reset his nervous system like a Nintendo, and of course David promptly goes after the key and is, of course, ready to kill him. Superman tells him that he's better than that. David asks, how do you know? And Robin, Robin says, because Superman doesn't lie. And that's enough for David to stop. That's all he needed to hear. Immediately afterward, David and the ship are getting ready to go through another multidimensional shift. As Superman starts saying, it's not fair and I'll come find you, David, I promise. Poof, David's gone. Robin says, don't worry, we'll see him again. Why? Because Superman never lies. Where does David get shifted to? Right in front of Gog. And we already know where that is going. So, okay, um, this, this wasn't a bad issue, but I feel like, and I know a lot of people might disagree with me here, especially when I said that half of, that this is half of what I liked about the earlier issues of the series, but this felt just the Superman character. It felt a little too classic Superman for me. Um, his goofy logic and and his uh, priorities kind of seemed like Golden Age Superman here in this. And while I don't mind it, it was just a little over the top for me. Um, uh, also, like have, having Superman's refuge animals even show up that 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 was kind of weird. There 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 were other things that could have happened. Um, I feel like these complaints aren't super huge, but they do affect my opinion. Dan Mora and his art is a master class in how to hold a pencil. It's absolutely beautiful work. Uh, watching him draw the Dawn of DC series with all the different characters in it, I think, and I'm probably right, I'm going to love looking at it as much fun as he had drawing it. I, I think, and it's... I, I'm pretty, I don't know how much of it he's drawing, but I know he did the promo art, and it is completely beautiful. Overall, it's a pretty good book, with a few problems, admittedly. So, uh, World's Finest walked away with a 7.75 from me. Damn. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we... Well, I'll, I'll start off with um, Superman... I, I thought it was very interesting to see Superman question himself when he was going to take David's powers away. Because uh, as I'm realizing, like, this this is a younger Superman who at the time was still learning the hero biz. So then that was a well-placed moment. And, and to, to, your, to counter your point about how it's a very like, golden age, silver age Superman, 
with the idea. Well, that's uh, to me, that's kind of the point because it does take place in the past and it should take place during that era. So I appreciate that Mark Wade is is pushing that type of Superman ideal because it's it's kind of fits the date. I wouldn't expect modern day Superman to exist however many years ago this takes place. That to me that would stick out more and I wouldn't like that. But that might just be me. I like the dating of this. That's, that's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. Um as much as I enjoyed this issue because I think this was another great issue, I think I am more excited for the next one because they promised the 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 secret date of Robin and Supergirl. I can't bring okay. wait. <laughs> that's going to be fun. Uh and as we know now we saw you say unnecessary but it's gonna be great <laughs> it's been teased since issue one i can't wait um yeah so we see the rise of magog and as we know it is not the end as was stated at the end of the issue and if you do want to see the continuing adventures of david check out kingdom come number one in stores <laughs> may 22nd 1996 get your time machines or just right. <laughs> go pick up a trade. You know, it's it's out there somewhere. No, no, no. Get the time machine. It'll be more authentic yeah, yeah. that way. It's more fun. It, yeah, and definitely. And quite funny. honestly, yeah. I I know it came out in May 1996. I could not find an actual date. I'm assuming the 22nd because I think Kingdom Come is Earth 22, and the 22nd of May 1996 was a Wednesday. So I'm just kind of piecing that together. <laughs> I'm assuming uh, that's maybe? when issue one came out. <laughs> fairly good um, hypothesis rob yeah fair enough uh yeah and it didn't take D- you too dan, long to figure that out either yeah <laughs> uh dan mora uh what more needs to be said man's awesome nine out of ten art stellar i really enjoyed the issue this is a great book <laughs> i've enjoyed every arc so far it does not need to end yeah keep it going all right brandon yeah this uh yeah, this this book continues to be a delight, and I think this uh, as as a closer for this arc was you know still a great deal of fun despite how violent and uh, and horrific uh, some of the moments were. But you know it's it's still a fun read. Uh, so I don't know what that says about us, but um, yeah, just I mean I would say I would say I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to what's coming next. But as Rob pointed out, and I I had to catch myself as well. I was like, well, I mean, I kind of already know what happens next because it happened in a book called Kingdom Come that came out almost yeah. 30 years ago. So it's not really it's not really like, oh, wow, I can't wait for, you know, the next arc of World's Finest where uh, um, Magog comes back and, you know, deals with the heroes. No, that already happened. You can read about it yeah. in, in Kingdom Come. So it's like, oh, yeah, I guess this, I don't really have to think about it like that. Um, but it's it's fun in that way that, oh, yeah, we kind of already have the story. This is just sort of filling in the gaps, which is nice. Um, so yeah. No, they're going to they're gonna reboot it. And this time, this time Ross is going to write and Wade is going to draw. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> that'll be <laughs> a, a time and a half, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, just a great series, great art, as, uh, as uh, Rob and Josh have already pointed out. And... Uh, I'm I even though it may be a filler, I'm also excited for the next issue, which uh, will be exploring the disastrous date between Robin and Supergirl. So hopefully that's a time and a half as well. But uh, got an eight point seven five out of ten for me. I think what I'm most excited about with the next issue, and the reason it's speaking to me on so many levels, uh, there, there's been a lot of discussions online in the past couple of months about uh, with with the the rise of Legacy is 
what's your favorite uh, Batman Superman family pairing? And then they go like uh, with Nightwing, Jim they're Drake constantly pairing. Well, there's that. But when they're pairing it off, they they constantly pair Nightwing or Dick Grayson with Supergirl because they were around in the same era. But realistically, they did not really spend any time together. They were not on a team together. They didn't adventure together in the Silver Age or anything. They did not do anything together. (laughs) So it's really weird to call them a pairing. And that's why I'm so excited for this because it's a pairing we do not see. (laughs) Yeah, if I had to line people up, like up until John, I don't think that there really was a a pairing in the super family for for dick no not at all tim and connor all day long you know clark and batman 100 percent. i feel like yeah i almost feel like um kara and this is gonna sound a little crazy but i feel like kara and lois lane have uh quite a few uh traits in common though lois has a little bit more of a calmer state of mind yeah. But definitely not and, Dick. Not till John showed up. No. Realistically, yeah. Because uh, I think there was Superman and then there was Supergirl, but then she always got paired up with Batgirl for reasons, I'm sure. So, yeah. Dick really never had a, a super friend. Ooh. Batwoman that's is probably that, the better choice. Sad. For Supergirl? Yeah. I mean, I could see that, but they've they've like Batgirl and Supergirl, like Kara and Barbara, have always teamed up in the past when there has been a, a Bat Super team up. I don't know about always, but at least in the past twenty, thirty years, yeah, that I know of. Uh, There's always right, room well, for change. That's enough of uh, stuff that didn't happen. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a fucking hour. Yeah. <laughs> so on to something that has happened. Uh, the Flash, number 791. This In 10 is seconds. the One Minute War, part two, yes. <laughs> um, and this is written by Jeremy Adams with pencils from Roger Cruz, inks from Wellington DS, another name I really like, uh, colors from Luis Guerrero, letters from Rob Lee, and a gorgeous cover from Torin Clark. Mm-hmm. We open where we left off at the end of One Minute War Part 1, pretty much exactly because this all takes place in a minute and maybe picoseconds have passed since the issue ended. Uh, So the grand spaceship from the aliens whose name escaped me uh, has landed in Central City and hundreds if not thousands are dead. The Fraction, thank you. Uh, everything is just laid to waste. There, there are people in peril all over the place, but they don't even know it because they're frozen in time. We're Except dead. for the There's speedsters. Thousands of people that are dead. Yeah, it, it's it insane. Um, yeah. Uh, the speedsters are still uh, moving around, though, uh, as Wally and Linda collect themselves outside their house. They find Iris or Irie, I should say, because this will get confusing later if I say Iris. Um, Irie is trying to move Jay, who saved them by catching a tree, uh, but now he's also frozen in time. So the three of them uh, try to figure out what's going on. As at 
the uh, as in Central City currently. Excuse me, at the Spire, Impulse and Kid Flash are trying their best to enter, but it is too smooth for them to run up and too dense for them to phase through. Uh, and as they're trying to figure out their next plan of attack, the wall begins to open as Jay catches them and pulls them behind a wall, and some floating tanks, it seems, come out of the wall, as well as some flying ships with lightning bolts for wings. And as Jay mentions, this is no invasion, this is war. And who better to say it's war than somebody who has been in war himself? I thought that was a very nice touch. Uh, Wally is now racing through Central City, surveying the damage and trying to figure out what the hell happened as he comes across somebody actually talking, and he is curious as to who it is, but it is none other than Barry holding Wally's dear Aunt Iris, who is potentially dead. Barry is crying, and now Wally is too, and together they run off, uh, taking Iris, uh, but before they can get too far, one of these ships finds them, so they start racing away and split up where Wally does what he can to get rid of the ship, exploding it, and it crashes into a building, to which I was thinking, well, there goes another dozen people. Kaboom. Good job, Wally. Yeah. But he does have a badass action movie line with, enjoy your visit. Yeah. Enjoy Fuck your you. visit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get shit on, aliens. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> right on alright so meanwhile Jay, Bart and Wallace are holding down uh, the forts taking cover behind a wall and they are getting attacked by blasts of electric energy uh, Jay realizes one is heading right for them so they duck and cover and they are now surrounded by the fraction but before they can get too far uh, Tank kind of flips over and falls on all the soldiers as Jesse Quick arrives, which I'm kind of surprised at because I did not think she had the strength to flip a tank. That was her husband, but we'll get into that. Uh, so Jesse Quick uh, has arrived. Speedsters technically have an insurmountable amount of uh, strength. Uh, what is it that they that they call Barry's punch that he does? Where he 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 travels so uh, fast that it increases his mass. Yeah. So technically, speedsters, infinite punch or something like that, some shit like that. But technically, yeah. all of them should have that. But the, the, and I, I get all that. But the fact that they're there's there's a whole speed thing going on that I'm thinking about. These people are already moving fast because, and then how fast the speeds? How fast do you have to? It, there's a lot of science that doesn't exist that I need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, that is for another time. I'll digress for now. Uh, Jay is very happy to see Jesse Quick, uh, and as Jesse mentions, uh, her and Max Mercury have run into them before. When they were looking for Barry in a previous issue on another planet, they ran into a group called the Fraction that looked just like the ones that are in front of them, including the Spire, with an MO very similar to the ones they fought before. Meanwhile, this version of the Fraction are surveying their efforts so far and as is apparently usually the case with every planet they conquer there is usually a conduit character on the planet and they usually take that person or kill them and steal their speed force connection to add it to their arsenal 
but as one of these soldiers or generals or whoever these people are uh, bring out uh, information, there is a lot of organic conduits, at least five or more. And as the lead uh, fraction member, we have yet to get names or ranks for any of these people. Uh, so I want to call him the common denominator. <laughs> oh god I like the multiplayer there you go uh, yeah so he gets very excited that Math there is now at least five speed conduits on this planet not only just on this planet but surrounding them currently as he says we will capture those five and they will make a fine wedding present for the empress which you will find out who that is and what that means in a future issue. I believe it's the next part of this story arc. Flash One Minute War Special is a one-shot, I believe, coming out in two weeks. Uh, so together, they head off to find the speedsters. Uh, meanwhile, there is one lone scout from the Fraction out in the desert for some freaking reason uh, trying to figure out uh, uh, I guess of surveying of the land for whatever reason but he's being chased by something very quick and he does not know what it is until we see it's max mercury who catches him crashes his bike and then electrocutes him uh, there's a lot of stuff going on but he seems to be dead so max races off to central city towards the spire to figure out what's going on and back at the west house jay jesse bart and wallace have arrived to find linda and Irie together. And they're all hugging it out. As Max arrives and Bart gives Max a big hug, uh, they have a little discussion about what Max was doing. But then we see Barry and Wally walking back to the West House with Barry holding Iris in his arms. And they all realize what has happened. And Barry just takes her inside. Uh, meanwhile, back at the Fraction Spire, uh, one of the Fraction soldiers has been tasked to release uh, a, a person, a thing, a creature of sorts who will hunt down the speed conduits. A character by the name of Miss Murder. Wasn't that a song by AFI? Uh, and this is where our issue ends. She looks very menacing and like a whole bunch of characters combined into one and none of them I really like. So <laughs> I'm going to see where this goes. I just need to point out there is some Batman Who Laughs eyepiece gear going on with her head. And that's yeah, a bit I'm, yeah, I'm for sure. kind of curious what's going on there. So that's where our issue ends. That's to be continued, I believe, in the One Minute War special. Uh, very exciting part, too. Uh, it's nice to see the team assembled and now the work truly begin. I still don't believe Iris is dead, but damn, Jay is a good man by offering to carry her the rest of the way. But at the same time, Jay, like, they're already at their destination. You're kind of too late. Uh, the whole issue, I think, boasts great art. It's it's fantastic to look at. fun to read. There are definitely some scientific questions, but you kind of just have to let it go when you're reading a book about the Flash and speedsters and, and the speed force and things going super, super fast because it's not real science. And as we used to say on the Flash TV close. subreddit, speed force, I ain't got to explain shit. So <laughs> I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm digging this story arc so far. I think it's a lot of fun. 
while it is also deadly, I, I keep using that term very loosely when I say fun. I gotta I gotta start thinking of another word. Uh, but nine point five out of ten, uh, it's it's a it's a great read. I I like it so far. I'm curious to see where they're gonna go with this. You almost said it's a fun read. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so the title tells us that a week takes ten seconds. The one minute war is gonna be a long ass war. Like that's. It's like ten months, or or if if something very close to that. Um, just a couple. Uh, there there are thousands of people dead, and some of them are frozen. Um, thousands of people dead uh, is a horrible way to end a barbecue. Uh, yeah, the, I'm very curious about what this little something extra is that's going on with Max Mercury. Um, obviously, we'll find that out later. Hopefully, because. Uh, Joshua Williamson isn't writing the flash book anymore. Uh, he, he, we, we hear him talking about uh, how he was trying to go further. And like, I do believe that Max Mercury is trying to um, hit that uh, speed force level. And they keep mentioning that we've got at least five conduits or people who can tap into the speed force. So we've got Barry, Wally, Jesse, Wallace, and Bart right plus j so there's yeah. six and i think that um that the, they may get captured or whatever i think a whole crux of this is going to be max mercury finally getting um tapped into the speed force uh as as uh, as as much as the others um if this fraction is so badass and they really seem like they are what do they need with a miss murder and why does she look like a mix between Martian Manhunter and the X-Men's Storm? Or maybe that's, this is maybe uh, this is mi yeah. the Miss Martian who laughs. I'm not sure, um, but it <laughs> it's a it's a damn good issue. A Miss Martian who laughs would make sense because it's Miss Murder. Uh, but I think that it's a damn good issue. It's damn good art just like you would expect to see in any flash book. You, have you ever noticed that? Like, you rarely, if ever, see shitty art in a flash book? I mean, it's been years. So why do the rest of them have to suffer? Just something to think about. Anyway, I, I, I really like this. There's so much at stake, and it is such a flash story. Uh, this one was easy, easy to score. I gave it a 9.25 out of 10. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real treat for the Flash family, I would say, um, and it's definitely given me a lot of a lot of great moments uh, between uh, you know some of the some of the members that we really love, uh, especially seeing you know the relationship between uh, Bart and Wallace, which I thought was funny. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It definitely feels like a a, a Flash story, classic Flash story. Kind of reminds me of um, one of my favorite Flash stories, um, which is kind of the I would say one of the uh, highlights of, of Mark Wade's run um, not born to run I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now um, oh uh, uh, terminal velocity um, which is a, an excellent story um, so yeah no really solid story um, and uh, I mean stakes are, are only gonna get bigger from here um, though as a, as a final point I do have to say that the name miss was it miss misery miss um, murder. 
Miss Murder is just a terrible name. Uh, and it that is, costume I... is even worse. But, you know, it is what it is. Two, 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 what, what did you give it for a score? Oh, 8.75 out of 10. Two opinion polls. Do we think, what do we think that the likelihood of this being basically Miss Martian who laughs? It could be. I don't know. It just kind of looks like a generic 90s villain to me. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that's I, I, what we have. I think, yeah, just like a run of the mill issue for our heroes, but just looks like things we recognize. I don't know. The design is weird. John Johns and Storm mashed up. That's that's what I got. But um John Johns and right. Storm. <laughs> what do we uh what do we think's up with Max Mercury? I'm I'm very interested in this. This whole he's trying to go farther thing and only him and Bart know what they're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing cuz I I haven't read too much of uh the the flash comics and impulse comics rather with max in it so i don't know too much about their history together or really if they're Bart if that's was something living we already know. With max in the impulse series um and then when max disappeared into the speed force around 2002 he ended up moving in with jay and joan and that's right around the time that the jeff johns teen titans series started and then he ended up moving to titans tower and all that stuff but yeah they they have a history together yeah. Uh, Max was sort of like a surrogate father to Bart. Right. Is this so? Is this the whole thing like kind of familiar then? Yeah, know? it's just that they know each other, and then you know Max was always really in tune with the Speed Force. He was sort of the one that taught yeah. Wally literally everything he knows about the Speed Force. It's sort of why it reminds me of Terminal Velocity because that's the first arc that introduces that concept, um, and uh, and Max is sort of the one that's giving him the you know, the history lesson. Um, I'm not sure how much you guys know about Max's history, but uh, I no, don't know. That's, wanna... that's the one, like, like I know Bart yeah. and, and Max have a good... Yeah, well, basically, yeah, basically Max know, Mercury was... Max's history. Yeah, Max was a speedster from the, I guess, the Wild West times, you could say, and um, was just sort of testing his powers, had discovered that he was, you know, connected to this larger speed power, and one day ran so fast that he fell into the speed force, and then the Speed Force chucked him out into like the 1930s, which is how they explain. Because Max Mercury was an old, an old Golden Age character that was sort of forgotten and then resurrected during Mark Wade's run. But that's sort of why Max is like the authority on the Speed Force because he was the first one that actually entered it. So his whole thing is like sort of I, I imagine getting reconnected with that, but also just reestablishing that Max is sort of the master of the Speed Force. I think Wally used to call him like the Zen master of the Speed Force. Zen master, really yep. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. So. And that's why I'm so curious about what he means by going farther. So, yeah. It should be very interesting to see what happens here. Maybe we'll get the Forever Force back. Just kidding. That won't happen. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, all right. So, with that, we are going to go on to our last book of the week, which is the biggest book of the week. And that is the special anniversary edition, Nightwing number 100. And in true form and fashion, the biggest Nightwing fan on the planet is going to tell us all about that issue. That's, uh, it's it always my pleasure. Um, but yes, this is the big 
anniversary issue, Nightwing number 100, and in true anniversary form, this uh, issue features a, a cavalcade of Nightwing artists, both past and present. Uh, of course, written by Tom Taylor with art from Bruno Redondo in some of the larger scenes, but additionally features art from Scott McDaniel, Rick Leonardi, Eddie Barrows, Javier Fernandez, and Mikel Janine, who have all worked on Nightwing or Dick Grayson in separate capacities in the past with inks from Carl Story, Ever Ferreira, Kyle Felipe, Joe Prado, and Rick Leonardi, I assume doing uh, some of his own inks as well, with colors from Adriano Lucas and letters from Wes Abbott. Now, this is a behemoth of an issue, very large in size, but it actually reads pretty fast and kind of boils down to a, a very, very straightforward story. So uh, if it sounds shorter than you might expect for an issue 100, uh, trust me, it's just that the issue moves very quickly. But essentially, yeah, this like is the culmination of everything. Yeah. Yes, essentially, this issue is the culmination of everything that we've been building towards, uh, specifically in the last issue where Heartless revealed that he was gathering people uh, for a big push on Bloodhaven now that there's a huge power vacuum after Blockbuster's death. And this is that move um, as as Heartless has infiltrated the Bloodhaven private prison and is rounding up all the prisoners after having freed them to serve his cause. Um, he brings in some of the small-time criminals and some of the big-time criminals that Nightwing has faced quite recently, including none other than Anatoly Kinyazev, aka KG Beast. He also releases a a very um, forgotten Nightwing villain, but uh, one that I, I laughed when I saw the Elephant Man to basically wreak havoc <laughs> on all of Bloodhaven, which was oh, nice. Geez. So Nightwing gets the call from Oracle that every single criminal in Bloodhaven prison has been released onto the streets and is causing mayhem. And naturally, he takes the scene um, to do what he does best and leap, maybe not always um, without knowing where he'll land, but knowing that he'll still leap regardless. And as he does, there's a beautiful sequence of all of the various costumes that Nightwing has had uh, captured by some of the artists that worked on those eras, respectively. With the exception of Scott McDaniel, who obviously was not working, you know, back in the 80s when Nightwing first had the disco wing suit. But he did do Nightwing year one, so I figured it was a reference to that as well. Uh, uh, more than likely, I would agree. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, he, yeah, did the... Uh, you know, obviously did the majority of the Nightwing series in the 90s, but um, I assume he was chosen to illustrate that page because he did Nightwing Year One and did a rendition of the Disco Wing suit. Anyway, point is, Nightwing leaps into action, uh, but instead of just, you know, beating down on all of the prisoners, he gives them a choice. He knows that, you know, a lot of them don't want to work with someone as horrible as uh, as Heartless, so rather than just throw them back in prison... He says, hey, if you help out in Bloodhaven with all this chaos, maybe we'll be a little bit more lenient with you. Um, and just at that moment, the Titans show up and they're willing to give out a helping hand in Bloodhaven, which is also very nice. Nightwing giving out all the instructions, letting them all know where they need to be um, and, uh, you know, just giving the Titans uh, the orders to best help out. Um but back in the Bloodhaven prison, Heartless is having a meeting with Tony Zuko, telling him he's a huge fan and talking about some of the plans that they might have for the future. Nightwing sees that and uh, is like, yeah, that can't be good. But uh, before he can intervene, <laughs> he is football tackled by KG Beast. Um, and they have their little showdown again, which is, you know, I'm, I'm sure always good to see, to, to see KG Beast get his comeuppance. Um, but... 
while KGB is just sort of gloating about, you know, it's how could you possibly have the upper hand here? I have allies and I have, you know, my goons who are working for me and you're outmatched. Nightwing sort of chuckles that off and says, you know, you may have your goons, but I have the Titans. I have my, my best friends who are going to help me take you down without, you know, out fail, which is nice. And they manage to do so and subdue uh, KG Beast and the rest of the goons that he's working with. But unfortunately, Heartless escapes before they're able to confront him, though not before leaving one last ominous message on the mask that he left behind. Uh, but just at that moment, who should show up amidst the chaos but Superman and Wonder Woman who offer their services, but as Nightwing awkwardly tells them, they kind of already took care of everything so there's really no purpose for you here uh, and uh, they're like well that's actually a good thing because your handling of this is sort of why we're here and, and sort of why we want to talk to you about something and then we get the speech that uh, I'm sure all of us kind of expected after the events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths which is basically they're passing over the mantle of leadership for the DCU for the world at large over to Nightwing to basically be the protectors but he's not going to be leading the Justice League or anything as obvious as that. Rather, he's going to be, you know, taking on leadership in his own way. Um, but before he can do that is one last conversation with Bruce about the new leadership role, and they have a very emotional uh, conversation, which is nice to see after everything that Dick has been through recently, that that relationship is still strong. Um, but uh, back in Bloodhaven, after that very touching scene, uh, he reveals to Melinda and Barbara that he has a plan for not just, you know, Bloodhaven, but the world at large and how sort of the big moves that he has moving forward. And um, about a month later, he holds a press conference revealing that uh, while Bloodhaven has taken major steps forward in becoming a, a better city than it ever was, um, they want to extend that generosity to the rest of the world. And they're going to start by extending protection to the rest of the world. And that comes in the form of Titans we're now making their new home base, Bloodhaven. So that's how we move forward with this new chapter of Nightwing, with the Titans now uh, seated in Bloodhaven and acting as the protectors of the world at large. I guess taking the place of the Justice League, but obviously they're going to have their own spin on it. So this is the, the big culmination that everything uh, has been leading towards, both in Dark Crisis and in Nightwing, which I feel is very fitting. Um, but all in all, just a really stellar issue. A great celebration of Nightwing, great way to wrap up this uh, this power vacuum arc, and a great way to establish the future moving forward. We've seen Nightwing as a leader of the Titans countless times, but you know, uh, with the Titans as I guess the de facto leaders of the DCU, it should provide for a very interesting uh, perspective moving forward. I don't know exactly what the former members of the Justice League are up to. I guess they're going to be going on a soul-searching mission or something to figure out what they're going to do next, but it'll be nice seeing the Titans step into this more uh, direct leadership role. Now everyone's going to be kind of looking up to them um, for, for advice and all that stuff, so that's good to see, but uh, really just a marvelous issue, a great celebration of Nightwing. Nice to see the artists of the past and the present uh, lend their hand to this issue, and everything looked great, so I had a great time, and I'm um, looking forward to the future of Nightwing, so I gave this a 9 out of 10. Uh, I suspect yeah. the next time we see the Justice League, it's going to be one year later. Anyone? Mm -hmm. Anyone? Hmm. One? No. One? Remember yeah. that? No. Okay. Wait, what? I need that was a failed event anyway. <laughs> uh -oh. One year later, oh. talking about the two thousands. No. One year no. later. Thing. No. 
<laughs> it does sound like it does sound like because they mention they 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 mention more than once uh if i'm not mistaken the phrase uh stay and defend earth so i'm thinking that the um ex justice league members are going to be taking either like cosmic or extra dimensional journeys and potentially titans are going to be the kind of like the new jl but um, handling just Earth stuff, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Uh, man, the cover. Holy shit! What a well drawn cover. Oh yeah. Uh, it. This was great. I loved. I loved the whole damn thing. Um, the conversation at between Bruce and Dick at Alfred's grave was crazy good. Uh, buying the prison and turning it into Titan's Tower, that's cool as shit. The whole damn thing was cool. Now I just need to see Heartless's teeth kicked in and I am a happy man. Uh, there were a lot of artists on this one. Not all of them were perfect, but the quality of this entire book was just so high. I can definitely overlook that a little bit. I am so excited to see what happens next around Nightwing and if, if if I'm if I'm being honest what we saw at the end of Nightwing what we saw um, as far as seeds being planted on Lazarus planet and uh, what we saw in new champion of Shazam it's setting up some very interesting stories some very interesting premises and bringing in characters that I had no inclination whatsoever that they would be taking prominent roles and I hope that's what we get to see them continue to do so like I said I'm 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 excited to see what happens next and I'm hoping that it's just as great man I gave Nightwing a 9 out of 10 uh, I am right up there with the art there is great art throughout uh, but there was a little thing that kind of irked me I think it was the second artist. I don't know who did what in what order. I didn't get a chance to look that up. Uh, but I think it was the second artist when they were going through uh, Heartless panels. Uh, it, the original Heartless design is very menacing. It's just half silver mask and a black jacket and a red glow coming out from the chest. And that's it. And everything else is just dark and shaded. But then the second artist drew heartless and, and what threw me is you could see his mouth and yeah the color of his head and a bit of his hair and it just took that character out a little bit like he was he was a lot less menacing now it wasn't as scary which i didn't like it lost that appeal for me just in those panels but then we got that back <laughs> later on so it was, it was a little inconsistent there which i didn't yeah. appreciate seeing the but... teeth fucked with me too yeah, <laughs> it was really weird. I had to go back. Like, wait, what is this heartless? Why do I? Why does he have a mouth? Uh, so it was really weird. But I still enjoyed art throughout. Uh, just apart from heartless uh, at that one part. Um, throughout the issue, lots of great moments, and I think it was really cool to see the Titans step up as world protectors. It's about damn time. Uh, I don't. It's not realistically. It's not the first time, but I think it's the first time of this caliber. I would say where it's just the Titans as the premier super team. And they're not um, called the Justice League or something, you know? 
Yeah, no, I'm obviously Brandon would know better than I, but I don't think that they've ever been set up for at least any period of time where they are just the team. Yeah, yeah, Brandon. no, not not to my knowledge. They've been okay. the Justice League before. There was that brief Justice League run towards the end, right before the New Fifty Two, um, where mm-hmm. it was essentially just the Titans as the Justice League. But you know, Dick was Batman, so he's kind of stepping into another role anyway. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't think that the Titans specifically have been in a, a role like this where the Justice League are absent. Yeah. And, and it's a hell of a team, too, to even include Wally in there. Like, you, you have a speedster. So that's, that's already great. Like, you, you have the makings of a fantastic super team right there. I can't wait to mm-hmm. see how they fare. Um, there's, there's a lot of promise going forward, I think, with this issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what what's what's gonna happen with Zuko now? I think Zuko got away, didn't he? With Heartless, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I'm not, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're right. Yeah, I wanted to ask that too. Did did Tony Zuko know that Dick Grayson is Nightwing? No. No, and I I, okay, well, I think well, he fucking does now. <laughs> well, uh, I thought that at first too, but then I went back and reread it, and it anybody with half a fucking brain would be able to deduce what he was talking about. But he didn't come right out and say, you know, hey, Dick is Dick is Nightwing. So oh, um, okay. So I I Zuko yeah, doesn't exactly have half a brain. The timing of so. it really weird. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're getting. So he's like, he's talking about Nightwing, and then he's just talking about Dick Grayson. I okay, but that's the pacing of that was just so weird because he's he's still talking about it. He's hey hey, there's Nightwing, and he goes, I have plans for Dick Grayson. Okay, that's great, but I'm talking about Nightwing. Shut up about Dick Grayson. Like, uh, that was weird too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? With that. It's it's losing a quarter point. It's nine point two five out of ten. <laughs> it's still a great issue <laughs> for for an oversized issue. Lots of action, lots of fun, couple of iffy moments, but it really doesn't bring the book down. I'd say. Check it out. It's going to be a great era for Nightwing going forward. Certainly hope so. Yeah. All right, and if my calculations are correct, that is the books for the week. We did it. I, I oh god I I nearly broke into song I'm gonna be honest with you uh, Haley's been watching a lot of Dora the Explorer so <laughs> yay I nearly we broke did into it. that song <laughs> oh goodness okay children man kids shows alright so it's time for our top three and favorite moments if you had one alright you guys uh, Josh you wanna start us off uh yeah yeah, I do. Um, it was it was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to put put um, to choose between second and third place because they both were fucking amazing. Uh, I gave okay, so I gave third place to Nightwing, and I gave second place to the Flash just because of how really truly flash this is and while the story in nightwing was cool ultimately it was just the world's greatest setup issue so that's why number two went to the flash and then number one 
that went to the blue wall. Such a fucking outstanding story, personal, gritty, real world, and it still made me go, holy shit, without introducing something fantastic or fantastical to the story. Totally deserves a number one spot. There were a couple of cool, a uh, couple of cool moments that I dug in there. There was a lot of cool moments that were in this week. Um, the psychic, the psychedelic page of the key in the world's finest, or the close-up of Supergirl's eye in the Monkey Prince. That was fucking absolutely incredible piece of artwork. But um, there. <laughs> It may be, uh, it was a little bit too much of an emotional reaction, but the conversation between Dick and Bruce at Alfred's, at Alfred's grave, uh, it made my eyes well up. I didn't, I didn't cry. I didn't, but, but they they, they definitely got a little misty, man. They, they, uh, yeah. they got wet for sure. That was, that was very, very emotional. Uh, so that one, I'm going to give my favorite moment of the week to. Right on. Hey, Brandon, what about you? Uh, number three, I had uh, Batgirls, number 14. At number two, I had World's Finest, number 11. But at number one, no surprise, though. Uh, it's fitting for our 100th episode. I had Nightwing, number 100, which, again, I felt like was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal issue. And uh, I, I would also echo um, Josh's favorite moment uh which is really that whole sequence between dick and bruce because i think you know the the reason that that one also kind of i i, I did not cry because i'm a man um, <laughs> men don't cry. um but uh um the the reason yeah. that uh go back and read yeah, that the, shit the, when you got kids kind sir <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah men don't cry um no I, I think i think the reason that one also kind of you know maybe made me feel a little choked up is just because it's it's rare that you ever see bruce say i'm sorry and he says it like five times um and it's you know that's like nightwing's face is the perfect reaction because if you ever hear bruce say he's sorry it means he's really really genuine about it so seeing yeah. that immediately get followed by a hug was was very uh yeah very touching um yeah, but, uh, we've had those father-son moments with tim lately we've seen it with damien extensively but and and, and we saw it with jason back during task force z but we haven't had those moments with dick yet and i think that this was just the most fucking beautiful way it could have been done yeah well yeah. We've, we've had moments like that many many times well, of course but again i always it's nice to see it you know reaffirmed and then yeah it's nice to see um yeah it's nice to see bruce kind of really being i guess a little bit more apologetic about the ways that he's let him down and you know, just kind of admitting that even though even though he tried to do his best with Nightwing, he still kind of let him down in some ways, and, and that's really making yourself vulnerable. But anyway, um, I, I won't go with that moment because um, uh, Josh kind of already selected that one, but I will give it to really just the uh, all the splash pages of the various Nightwing costumes because as, uh, as I've said many, many, many times, I am such a sucker for just callbacks to the various suits that he's had over the years. And this was pretty much every one. They didn't have them them all. I noticed that the 90s one, the other 90s one, where he had the long mullet hair, um, oh, yeah. was absent. But 
I'm, I'm willing to forgive because this was a, still a very cool sequence. Um, and they actually had a very cool looking page of the Red Wing suit, which everyone hates, but I love that suit because it's awesome. Um, I don't anyway, hate it. It's my favorite moment. Yeah, it's, it's not my favorite, else, but I don't hate it. The internet, the internet hates that suit. I, I don't know why. I mean, I know why, because it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's sacrilegious because he's not wearing blue. But I, I love that suit. I love that run of Nightwing, and I will never let go of that. It's, it's yeah, as a matter like, of fact, I, th- I think the only suit that he likes better is the uh, Wallace's silver suit. Oh, yeah. No, that's my favorite suit of all. <laughs> oh, what a suit that is. Yeah, no, the, the red was certainly a choice. I, yeah, I'm not against that suit. It was just really weird that they chose to make it red. But I don't think it's a bad thing. The suit looks good. All right, so Agreed. for my top three, uh, number three, I had World's Finest. Number 11, at number two, I had the Fla- uh, Nightwing. Number 100, and number one, I just gave it away, is The Flash. Number 791, uh, just based on scores alone, because I really did enjoy a lot of the books this week. And favorite moments, I also had a hug, but not the same hug you guys had. Uh, It's Bart giving Max a hug, because I thought that was really nice, too. Kind of filled me with nostalgia uh, of seeing those two. Because we've seen a lot of of Dick and Bruce together recently and having some father-son moments. As much as that was an amazing father-son moment that did also make me a little misty-eyed, it's been a long time since we've seen Bart and Max have a moment together. So I thought that was really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. I will say a runner-up moment I I almost forgot to mention was in Flash when uh, Bart is like, oh, you know, they're they're having, Bart and Wallace are having their, their moment. Um, and uh, and Bart prepares to run and vibrate through the steel and doesn't do it. Oh he just yeah, smacks against it. That was yeah. that was pretty funny. I got a chuckle out of me. Um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was a funny classic one. Bart. <laughs> I I need to see more team ups with Bart and Wallace though. They they make a yeah, no. pretty fun team. They they mm-hmm. no. Oh no, I agree. I yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I agree. Yes. Yeah. 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 Even just like but yeah, Wallace like would be issue. down for it too. Yeah. That way he stops getting called Ace, which I can't yeah. stand. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Wallace is is a long name though. They all have pretty short names. Wally, Barry, all... Max, Jay, yeah. Bart, Wallace. So they have like, one so... or two syllable names. It's not like their names are Anatoly. I mean, <laughs> there's still two syllable names, if not one. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, Wallace is so long. You can't call him it's Wally. Two syllables. Get confusing. Yeah, Wally Wallace. Which one took me longer to say? Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the there's, most there's superhero letters. of names. That's it's. I'll, I'll give you that. It's not the most superhero of names. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's about as superhero name as Herbert. <laughs> but um, I feel like there was a hero named Herbert, though. But I'm not going to get into that. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Yeah. 
Well, folks, that was our favorite moments, and now it's time for your favorite moments. It's... The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. Yep. All right. It's a good thing we're not in the middle of a pandemic. oh yeah all right a lot of toilet paper your stink list this week uh for me completely opposite of you guys uh because i felt like while there was some cool stuff in it really a whole lot of nothing happened and that was lazarus planet assault on krypton fair enough if it wouldn't have been for the emotion that was in Batgirls, though, because of the art that was in that, Batgirls would have been there. Yeah, right on. Yeah, Brandon? Um, I mean, none were particularly bad this week, but the lowest one I have is new champion of Shazam, so I guess that's the, the biggest stinker for me this week. Not a bad issue by any means, but definitely a little... Uh, lackluster in terms of an ending. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, this just in, Brandon we... is anti-feminist. Yes, oh that's God. true. <laughs> well, I, that was obvious by the way I said men don't cry. Clearly I have outdated <laughs> notions of gender. <laughs> yeah. Much like just Max the, Mercury, I also like... traveled from the past into the future, except I came from the 1950s or something. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> careful with time traveling to the 1950s it's uh yeah incest apparently according to yeah doc brown and marty mcfly oh i thought you were making a futurama reference <laughs> and it became my well, own grandfather I, technically i am don't do that. That, that that futurama episode is a reference to back to the future so it all works out <laughs> oh yeah that's true yeah uh right for me though i i rather enjoyed all the books that we reviewed this week uh there was nothing i'd say was really stink worthy uh but for in our honorable mentions for the books i read uh titans united blood sports um blood bad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah it, bad it, i just i'm just not feeling it that this titans the book. whole series I, I just i want a, a real titans book <laughs> i feel it's, like there's gonna it's... be some titans united fans out there just cursing my name the fact that i said that but i don't care i didn't like it (laughs) yep this is like the sequel to a movie nobody liked because the first the first series was just it wasn't that great to begin with it was it was average at best and this is just it's not living up to the first one so (laughs) yeah and and just like the hbo max titan show it just gets worse as it goes on you shush Shut your face. <laughs> Shut your face. There's a reason I never finished season three. I got bored. So then how can you say that it gets worse as it goes on when you're not caught up? You're 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 a season and a half I behind. Bored. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel like after three seasons that should give you a pretty good sign of where it's going. And if it's not yeah. great, then <laughs> you might need to tap out. I mean it's it, like it me certainly didn't have as uh as bad a, a drop as as the flash did yeah oh my god yeah well i mean i I think you made it a lot farther than i did i got to to two and then i i said no more arrow was the only one i ever first two seasons were good yeah 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 no seriously yeah arrow was the only one that ever stuck out the longest i think i got to three or four and then that was 
That was as far as I could go. I mean, that's understandable. Four, four was disgustingly bad. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. I, I will never get over that final fight scene. Yeah. I will still hold that the first season say? of Arrow is is really good. Like, I could still oh, go yeah. back and watch that at any point and be like, this oh, is yeah. fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's a little schlocky, but yeah, even now I still feel like that holds up pretty well. (laughs) I know Holly didn't mind watching it, and she described it as the one tree hill of superhero shows. But uh, that's that's her description. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, she she didn't mind it when Stephen Amell started doing the salmon hops. Oh, or 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 the I mean the the salmon pull ups. Yeah, yeah, salmon ladder. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he made that, that exercise famous. <laughs> yeah, he really yeah. Did. It's yeah. funny how Rob knew exactly what I was talking about right off the bat. Oh, God. That's <laughs> that's, that was, like, the big draw of the first season. Like, you know, okay, it's a superhero show. It's running yeah. the mill. He's getting into costume. He's shooting people with arrows. Okay, cool. Oh, shit. Yeah. He's doing what with a bar? Like, that's that was cool to see. It was something a <laughs> yeah. little bit different. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. And he you got guys that kind of full first. circle. It, 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 Rob was not watching that because of Stephen Amell's 12 pack. <laughs> well, no, because you couldn't see his front when he was doing the same ladder, mm-hmm. just his back. Uh, <laughs> he smacks his head. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I say things, and sometimes I wonder why I say them out loud. <laughs> right. Uh, that that whole thing with Stephen Amell, the salmon ladder, though, it, it all came full circle, though. If you ever watched uh, American Ninja Warrior, they had a celebrity edition, and Stephen Amell was on it. It's funny. And he got to the end, and then he says, for charity, if I keep going, he wasn't supposed to, but he did, because the next event was salmon ladder. And he did it because yeah. it's his best friggin' exercise <laughs> right. at this point. So that was fun to Stephen see. Stephen Amell and he killed was it. also... Yeah, Stephen Amell was also in the first season of New Girl. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show. That's like one of my favorite shows. Oh, no. It's on my list to watch. Yeah, and it made me laugh because I had seen that after I'd watched Arrow, and I was like, why the fuck is Oliver Queen in this sitcom about relationships? (laughs) (laughs) He's just like there. He was one of the boyfriends of uh, one of the cast, and then, um, well, I don't want to spoil too much, but the point is... I was just like, this is weird. Also, he has a, like a buzz cut, but even more so than in the Arrow show, at least in the first season. Oh, gosh. It's just very awkward at first. Um, uh, so that's a fun little Easter egg for you if you want to follow I gotta check that the out. actor. It's, it's like the same feeling I get when I watch now. Not Another Teen Movie, and I'm thinking, why is Captain America being such a dick? <laughs> 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 yeah, oh, <laughs> I'll edit that out later. Difficulties there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, what was that called? New Girl. New Girl. New Girl. Yeah. That's a. a it was on Fox Zoe I think. with um, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel yeah. and Jake Johnson and uh, Lamorne Morris and all those guys. It's like one of my favorite oh, shows yeah. of all time. Um, like a one time. Uh, oh shoot! What the hell is his name? Uh. Damn. But I can't remember what his name is. I'm sure you do. He's on the yeah. He's got the he's got the bigger brown hair. But anyway, he's on uh the neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer now, and I love. That oh show. yeah 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 um Max Greenfield yeah Max Greenfield that's which is funny because 
my dad watches that show and he was he was like he had it on the TV at some point and I, I, I didn't say it out loud but in my mind I was like oh my god what the hell is that Schmidt <laughs> uh, which is the character that he plays on New Girl and I didn't really yeah I didn't realize he was in like, like another sitcom but uh, yeah I heard the show is about it's about like like the the whitest family you can possibly imagine is like you know moving in with you know Cedric the Entertainer who's like very very black we shall say um <laughs> reminded me of my family and yeah it's I, I i've not seen it but my dad was cracking up so i i assume it has to be pretty funny oh it's funny it's funny as hell <laughs> you will laugh your ass off you should check it out yeah. for real okay yeah, yeah, you I said the that whitest family scene. ever it's a suburban principal a tiktok addicted <laughs> kid and then um dave is is uh, what greenfield plays and he is a conflict mm-hmm resolution manager that really can't handle conflict very well yeah interesting it's 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 fucking wonderful (laughs) Uh, that lives next door to cedric the entertainer's family and you should just be able to pick right up what that means yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh my god everybody's sarcastic everybody's funny as hell i love it oh yeah no i'm uh i don't know if you've ever seen barbershop i'm sure you have oh Um, god yes but uh yeah that's like that's like when i think of cedric that's like my go-to Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm old, so like I go to Kings of Comedy. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> but but yeah. Oh yes, love that stuff. Maybe Cedric the Entertainer will be in a comic book someday. Oh my god, maybe Cedric the Entertainer will write a comic book. Damn, that would be neat. I would love to see what that looked like. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be really cool. How about this? If if Cedric the Entertainer could write a comic book, what kind of comic book would it be? Or better, better question would be, what kind of comic book character would you want him to see in the DCU? Or Marvel, up to you. Uh, I would like to see Cedric the Entertainer's take on the Blue Marvel. Mm. I want to see a really sassy Jon Stewart. I think he could pull that off. <laughs> Sassy. <laughs> uh, like for him to write, yeah, comic book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's very poignant. He's very sarcastic. He's very quick witted. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have to think about that. <laughs> I, 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 I do enjoy Cedric the Entertainer. It's been so long since I've really watched anything with him so i, I need to like, Maybe. refresh myself on cedric yep in marvel i would choose the blue marvel and then in dc i would choose i would either choose him to write static in the main dc universe or uh wally the flash i think he would do fantastic in either one of those good quick-witted smart-ass characters just like him. Anyway, if, if now we're, that talking, we're done talking uh, about this original Kings spot, of Comedy, yes. though, yeah. And if we're talking like them writing comic book, I think I would love to see D.L. Hewley write a Lobo comic book. <laughs> I'm sure that would be fun. Oh my God! It would be the angriest comic book ever written. <laughs> you know who I want to see do Lobo? And this is gonna sound weird but it just kind of came to mind because of his whole aesthetic. But I think Rob Zombie would do a really fun Lobo series. If it was like a reflective, like a reflective series where like Lobo's going through some 
character growth during some really mm-hmm. fucked up shit happening. Yeah. I'm 100% on board with that, dude. 100%. Uh, I'm I'm all for it. Doesn't even have to be character development. Just have Lobo go through some fucked up shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's like what I want to see. Like how the, how fucked up could you possibly make Lobo. it? Yeah. Like everything Rob Rob Zombie does has a big psychological fork in it. So that's yeah. that's why I was lining that up. Yeah. Oh man, there's there's so much potential out there that I don't think we will unfortunately ever get. But it's nice to dream. Just like me and all. It's very nice to dream. Yes. All right. So with that, that is our show. Remember, you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast. Check us out on Twitter at NotArobotComics and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews, articles, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Good to each other. And don't be a robot.